Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. One, two, three. One is now. ESPN Radio. It's so interesting when uh, people remake songs, right? Sometimes they're so good. Sometimes they're so weird. Sometimes it's such a bold challenge to try to cover a song that was so great. I mean, how do you cover the Rocket Man? How do you cover Elton John? Interesting tune, though. Hope you're having a great Tuesday. Welcome back. Nuana's now ESPN Radio. SWX Montana Television. Maybe you're tuning in on the ESPN Montana app. Missed anything in the first hour of the show? We had a Big Sky Conference football discussion. Of course we did. We also had our Treasure State Stars featuring some of the best individual performances from around the state and also some broad team performances as well that time of year. And we also had our River City Runners highlighting some of the best runners from around the state that will kick off the Big Sky State games. All of it on the Nuanas Now podcast. Probably presented by the M Store, the MSU Bookstore, the Advocates, and Sports Bet Montana. Thanks to all the engagements for our Tankberry Tuesday. Congratulations to the winner. But also, thank you so much for uh, tuning in, sending those texts, any and all texts you might have, questions, uh, comments, concerns, 406-888-1029. One of the most interesting discussions about the overlay between business and sports that we've had in quite some time here on Nuanas Now. Well, I've been waiting to talk to this guy for... The better part of a couple weeks. I always look forward to talking to my guy, Justin Angle. But we uh, had the summer, which is usually a slow time, hit an unbelievable fever pitch around the 4th of July. Yeah. And uh, I I couldn't help but think of all of the things that we have talked about on this segment. A business angle. We're coming to you from Studio 49 here. Recording this on a Monday. First time we recorded on a Monday. Jam-packed week because no show Thursday or Friday, I got a big golf tournament. I'm going to go lose all my money and come back in a terrible mood. That's not true. We're going to have Sounds a like a great way to start a weekend. <laughs> I, know. I know. I used to uh, work at the Ridge Athletic Club in Bozeman, and I worked with this kid who was getting his Ph.D. in physics at Montana State. Okay. So uh, needless to say, wired much differently than the sports sure. guy. And I used to work the evening shifts there in the summer. I would come in, and uh, he'd be like, what'd you do all day? And I'd be like, oh, I played golf. Oh, how'd you do? Uh, you know. 
Same as every golfer says. No, terrible, could have done better. Um, regrets, regrets, regrets. Yep. And finally, after like me doing this like six or seven times, one day he asks me, he says, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. I said, why is it that you play golf every day before you come in here? You are never happy about it. And I'm like, <laughs> you're right, man. That's a really good observation. I just need to take it easy on myself. But uh, regardless, it's uh, it's kicked into high gear. So many of the things we've talked about on this segment when it comes to the revealing of just kind of behind the curtain of the yeah. finances of college sports as in general, uh, there is no denying it anymore. We are to the the precipice, if not into the universe, in which this is pay-to-play, this is money, 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 oh, yeah. and these decisions are being made based on the money that's going to come from the TV. So before we get into the details of this, just your general reaction, it, it seems crazy to think that the University of Southern California and the University of California, Los Angeles, are now in the same conference as Penn State and Rutgers and Michigan. Yeah, you know, the, what, what I think of, there was a great, um, gosh, and the names are escaping me right now, but the, the, the fellow used to be president of LSU, and he's moved on to a small university in, in uh, Florida. Um, but he was quoted maybe 10 or 12 years ago as saying that college sports are moving to two conferences. Right. Fox... In ESPN. Right. And it's basically the, the conference you are in will be determined by the media organization that distributes your content. Right. right. And I think we're starting to see an approximation of that. These conferences move not based on geography, not based on history, not based on any sort of fan base. They, they do it based on the best TV deal. For sure. TV is still the primary, as you mentioned, it's a business, and uh, TV is still the primary revenue generator. Mm-hmm. So they're going to go after the biggest media deal they can. And you know, it doesn't matter which, where, geog- where, where geography puts them. It doesn't matter their history. Well, you will be good at explaining this because I, I think this is one of the hardest parts for sports fans to understand. They think, hey, I pay X amount of dollars to go watch my team. And I'm if you're you know a Tennessee or Alabama or sure. Auburn or Wisconsin fan, me and a hundred thousand of my best friends are all paying you know my seventy five to a hundred dollars per ticket, and the stadium's full every weekend. Why is it that these schools are making these moves? But that's it. Is from a business perspective, the amount of revenue that Wisconsin can generate on a football game is finite. Even if you add more uh, seats, it's still much more finite than being able to broadcast to millions, if not tens of millions of homes. And so your revenue, first of all, your revenue earning is significantly higher. That's objective truth, but your revenue potential is so much higher. Well, and you got to think of what the product is, right? Live sports is a, is a product of scarcity, right? You come, you show up and you consume, you know, the, the live product and it's a certain type of experience. People will pay to consume a live product through a television, through a device, through some screen, right? But brands will also pay much more to get their product message in sure. front of those eyeballs. Dual revenue stream. Then they will in terms of stadium advertising. Stadium right. advertising is a thing. People spend money on it. Right. It is not as effective. In many ways, it's just sort of like, like in the case of folks that advertise at the Grist Stadium, yeah. it's kind of like... Um, 
community relations. In sure. A way. It's it, not so much, you know, targeted. It's to be a part of it. It's exactly. To be a part of the event, to have some cachet. It's a conversation piece. Hey, I saw your sign over there. But it's not an actual direct messaging, right? right. Like the person's not going to call the bank on the sign right after sure. they leave the stadium. Yeah, yeah. So, and TV advertising, to be clear, you know, it's not super effective, but it's more effective than billboards, basically. Right. Uh, and then when you get onto, you know, mobile devices and screens, you can get more granular, more targeted, and, right. and, and, and more data driven, et cetera. But yeah, uh, Wisconsin, to, to your example, is working both sides of the trade, right? Because they're selling the, they're selling the content to the people who want to watch it, but they're also selling the eyeballs and the brains of the people who want to watch it to Coca-Cola and Sony and Ford and whoever else, right? And that's where I think that there is a model of the past and a model of the present that are very applicable for what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. We're seeing a super two. That's what's it's the power five even is probably dead as we know it. Yeah, it's moving in that direction. It's, it's going to be a super two conference. There's going to be forty to fifty teams that that's produce a specific amount of revenue that generate now increased TV revenue. They're going to be playing in this national league, basically regionality, um, geographic footprint, what research that you might do uh, as a university. All that stuff is. Not even secondary. It's pretty much irrelevant at this exact moment. But I think the the model from the past is not a collegiate one. It's a professional one. It's the AFL and the NFL. Yeah. And they were dueling leagues for a while. Then they started playing this little game called the Super Bowl, and then they merged. Mm-hmm. I think that the current model that we see now is the European Premier League and or the English Premier League in soccer, because uh, that is sort of a. Bru- uh, no, not Bruce Feldman. Andy Staples, who's uh, one of the head college football writers, he basically said. To look at what they did. They took mom and pop operations from across England, yep, and they corporatized it, and then made it into this corporate giant. That's exactly what we're seeing here with college football. Yeah, I, I think the, an interesting thread of this is I've always sort of thought like, why you know why do we have college sports in general? Like, why are they attached right. to universities? This is such a phenomenon in America. It right? is. It is. However, you can um, go watch young people play sports all over Europe. They're playing for a club. It's all club They're not playing based. for a university. Yeah, and that's not to say those clubs aren't without their set of problems. No, no, However, for sure. For sure. But it, it just seems easier to palette when it's not attached to this facade of education like they're trying to now. Right. Although I will say that you know, I was having this conversation with J.K. Simmons on the podcast uh, a few months ago because he was in that film National Champions that came out on, I think it was on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting film. So go, go check it out because it kind of plays with a lot of these themes. But anyway, he, he pointed out that, you know, college sports in the United States existed before any professional sports. So it is a bit of a, you know, there is a history here that, you know, we maybe have migrated away from but it's not one that we can forget um i do think though that when it comes to this this consolidation piece that we're going Mm -hmm, through mm -hmm. and and, and industries go through this time and time again they go through consolidation and then disbursement and you can see that you see that with the streaming right now like there was a long a long time where we'd pay 100 bucks a month for a bundle of channels Right, and then yeah. it was all like, no, I can subscribe to Netflix and Amazon Prime sure. and Hulu. Sure, and guess where we are now? I'm spending a hundred bucks a month for <laughs> for like six different streaming channels. This is what right? my mother always says. She's like, 
I don't, I, I'm fine. Just give me the cable. You can put it all together, whatever. Yeah. I don't know how to hook all this stuff up. You're going to spend the same and amount. And some genius is going to come around and say, hey, I'm going to sell you a one a one bill a month. Right. And I'm going to combine all these things. <laughs> anyway, the, the point being is that, you know, we, we've go through these cycles in business and we're in a consolidation cycle right now. And it feels like, oh yeah, this is totally the direction we're heading. And then somebody will disaggregate that. A force that might, cause it to cycle back and disaggregate is this name, name image, image, image and likeness, likeness sure. stuff. Because yeah. it's really, um, we don't quite know how that's going to play out because mm -hmm. th there you have teams that have brand value, right? But mm -hmm. the individual athletes are marketing themselves within mm -hmm. those teams. And so certain stars can capitalize on the brand of a team to sell themselves. But there's also, you know, there's, there's some... You know, in advertising, there's some benefit to being at the top of a list, even if it's not the list of the best things, right? So you could be a, a huge celebrity on a small market team and make a lot of money doing that with these name, image, and likeness uh, contracts. So that's a force that we don't quite know how will play out. Nuan is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN Montana app. Every other Tuesday, we present... A business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications, the overlay between business and sports, talking all things college football realignment. Mm -hmm. I've also, uh, this is funny, my uh, my latest rabbit hole has been the A&E documentary series about the professional wrestlers of the late 1980s, oh, and early 1990s, like the Ultimate Warrior and Macho Man Randy Savage. Randy and guys Savage, like that. all that, yeah. Uh, the character building, the story writing, all that stuff is phenomenal. It's so interesting and so funny. And it's also such a place in time, which because I don't think it ever would have been popular before or after the time that it really was. There's a, there's a lot to be hashed out in terms of our sense of belief as a society and, and what sort of tall tales we will buy into or lack thereof anymore. But the other thing is there's sort of a parallel to this as well because re wrestling was regionalized forever. There was multiple wrestling promotions all across yep. the country. All different leagues and belts and belts and all that yeah, stuff. you know, and you were usually only famous in your little Georgia Alliance yep. wrestling or whatever. And then you could there were some guys like Andre the Giant, he was going to multiple wrestling promotions because he was such a huge draw, but only to see you know, you didn't go see you didn't go to see him perform. Sure. You just went to see him yep. as a as a just a, a relic of human uh in front of you. But then the sort of conglomeration of that and, and building... His best work, by the way, is The Princess Bride. Oh, it's got to be, right? For <laughs> sure. Uh, Sorry, I just had to get that The conglomeration, there. though, of of all of the wrestling leagues to then be formed the WWF, fascinating. And then the, the pure league that rose up and the WCW started poaching players yep. away from it. And this brings us like all the way full circle because we have talked so much about this dynamic of college football realignment what it's going to do to affect the Cats and the Grizz and the Big Sky Conference. We've also been talking extensively about the PGA Tour yep. competition, the Live Golf Tour, the rise of that. So it seems as if even though this might all seem new, it's actually not new. It's just new to the world of college football. Right. New themes applied to a different or old themes old applied themes, to right. a new context. Right. Um, and you bring up the Live Tour. You, you want me to go on my rabbit hole? Oh, about of course. The yes, please. So I was thinking about this. Uh, you've asked me about the Live Tour, and I started just being kind of dismissive. Like, sure. ah, you know, Phil Mickelson's this washed-up guy, you know, stuck his 
foot in his mouth with Saudi Arabia, and so that they're, they're like just he's he's taking the money at the last stage of his career, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it, it's gained momentum, and I was a skeptic at the start, and then I started thinking about it, and you asked some good questions. These, these dynamics about the PGA Tour that make it vulnerable to this sort of right. threat. It's an individual sport. It um, doesn't own its major championships. Yep. Uh, there's so many athletes spread across a big um, big geography. So all, all these things make it vulnerable. There's to- also the impossible entry point to it. That's tough yeah. because there's there's so few guys that can actually play on one tour. Absolutely. And there's also there's the no guaranteed contract part, which is so interesting as mm-hmm. well because as we see it now, Pro sports specifically are gravitating so much toward guarantees. Like I was thinking about this, Scotty Scheffler is the number one earner on the PGA Tour this year. He's won two majors. He's won almost $13 million in prize money. That's one-third of the amount of money Kyrie Irving got paid to sit out pretty much the whole season. Right, exactly. Right? So there's an inequity in the professional athletes, too, just based on their availability and performance here, too. Yeah, and then the, the leagues kind of have this union piece that, right. that, that plays a role or doesn't play a role. But anyway, it got me thinking that, you know, with um, Kevin, it's it sort of, the, this thought started occurring to me when Kevin Durant just sort of said, I want out sure. of uh, of Brooklyn. And just thinking about his career and the fact that, like, here's a guy who, I don't know, th- these are these are debates that you love to have. Sure. Like, is he in the top 20 players all the time, of all time? I, mean, I think it's, you, could, you, could, you could safely say that Kevin Durant is among the most talented basketball players that's ever played the game. Yes. And Where so, he lands in terms of legacy, I think that's why it's confusing because you look at him and you watch him and you think to yourself, well, if that guy was to actually put it all together, right. how can he not be better than everybody? That's why it's so confusing. Right, and, and the question I ask is, who are his fans? Right. Where, where is, are they in Oklahoma? Right. Are they in New right. York? Are they in Golden State? Or not? Right. I mean, the Bay Area. So Kevin Durant is is kind of a man without a country in a way. Uh-huh. And you think about the NBA, like NBA ratings have been on a steady decline. Um, the product has not been great over the years. Um, and the, you know you could we can unpack all the different reasons for that, but the numbers bear out that the NBA has been in decline, right? And that might be a cyclical thing, but it might put it in a vulnerable place. And you you couple that reality with the fact that these athletes have such power, the Kevin Durant's of the world, the LeBron James of the world, and these stars have chosen. Outside of like a Steph Curry, most of the stars have chosen to move around from team to team. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder that with this diffuse fan base, with a less fervent fan base for basketball in general, professional basketball, is the NBA susceptible to an outside threat like Mm. the Live Tour? Interesting. Could there, you know, because you don't have to structure a professional league. I mean, you need a league and teams to have basketball, right? It's not an individual sport. Sure. But it doesn't have to be organized around geography. Right. Right. And, and the players can now be diffused. I mean, travel is kind of no longer, it's certainly an issue physically. Like, you got to get people from place to place. But think of like how long the NBA finals now. They have like three or four days between games. Sure. So, like, you don't need the end, you need 82 games. Sure. Right. So, could you come in? I think now in the NBA, like 20 teams out of 30 something make the playoffs. So, it's not even. Right. 
I mean, that's like the easiest job in the world for a GM to say you make the playoffs with your roster. <laughs> right. Anyway, so there's these factors that I'm sort of listing here that they're all seem maybe sort of minor in isolation, but you roll them all together and you think this league is actually susceptible to a threat. What that threat looks like, I don't know. But it could displace what we've known as the NBA for a long time. Nuance Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. It's funny because there's so many different disruptors across the board here that we're talking about in sports. This is also so existent in business. Mm -hmm. Like what we're talking about in broad premise is applicable to the media, the sports media big time, right? Like what's the balance between the platform that you reside on or the brand that is your personal brand. I mean, there's so much stuff here. I think that the one thing that the NBA has done well is the promotion of their superstars outside of the jerseys that they wear. Yeah. Does Kevin Durant have a like home city in which that city loves him? You can maybe argue Washington, D.C., where he's from. But you're right. There's there's as many haters in Oklahoma City as there is lovers. But that that skill that 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 success they've had in 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 marketing individual talents yeah, yeah. could come back and bite them, right? For because sure. I, I, I could be a fan of the Golden State Warriors or the right, Brooklyn right. Nets, and as a part of that, implied in that, I'm sort of a fan of the NBA right. more so than right. if I'm just a Kevin Durant fan. If he goes and plays in Europe. Or if some Russian oligarch pays him, yeah. you know, half a billion dollars a year to play, like I like Kevin Durant. I don't really care if he's in the NBA or not. Sure, I'm more likely to be tied to the individual, right? So it, that makes him more susceptible to that kind of threat. I think. It, it does. It does for sure. It's actually masterful to think of how, like most NBA fans I know, don't have a team. Mm-hmm. That's what's so interesting yeah. about the NBA. It's actually what I find most appealing about being a fan of the NBA because I. Personally, and this is a flaw of mine, not a flaw of any of you people out there listening. I think that the like unbelievably fanatic connection to a specific team is sort of silly. I find so, myself so fortunate to be able to enjoy sports across the board without having a rooting interest in them. But I totally understand that like 99% of the people listening to this show <laughs> have teams sure, and are fans yeah. of it. But it is sort of crazy that there's millions of people out there that do follow the NBA without having that passionate team to follow. Oh, and fantasy sports have also eroded that because you're you're sort of rooting for different things. I think the NBA, too, another thing that makes them vulnerable is they've... The NBA, I think you would put as probably the most progressive in terms of political um, culture within the teams themselves, the athletes, and the ownership. And just the positioning of the league. They're certainly to the left of the NFL, right? It's inevitably young as well. Yeah. Just this, the talent is young, but there's also the direct correlation between uh, the NBA and, and hip-hop, and that's yeah. going to keep you young Absolutely. too, you know, because you're going to have the rap superstar of the day sitting courtside Sure, there's in a Brooklyn. culture kind of yeah. fat... Uh, the, 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 whatever the cultural associations, they are... I, I, I would argue that the NBA is to the left of other sports yes. in the United States, right? Yet, look at their geographic disposition or distribution. They have gone into smaller market cities in less progressive areas. The Oklahoma cities, the Sacramento, you could probably put in there, New Orleans, Charlotte. I'm I'm not making broad claims about the politics of these cities, but they're certainly not collectively as progressive as cities where the NFL is. Sure. Right? And so you've got these this geographic fan base that is less aligned 
with the positioning, the cultural positioning of the franchises within it, right? Uh-huh. So there's a disconnect there. I'm not saying it's a huge disconnect, but it's another one of these smallish factors that roll up into vulnerability in this business. So then what do you think specifically could be the biggest threat to the NBA? Another league or the poaching of stars to go to existing leagues? I, I think both, maybe. I, I yeah. think probably like the, the most European inter- basketball could pick off some good the players. The most interesting part about the golf dynamic in this, the, the live versus the PGA, is that money is going to be one of, if not the biggest draws for all of these athletes. But the other draw is just affirming your legacy. Let's say some, the, the, the top Italian team in the world came over and offered LeBron James sure. $250 million a year yep. to go play for them. That would be hard for him to turn down from a business perspective because he would have an even more global brand mm-hmm. opportunity and from a just tangible money perspective. But if in he goes pl- and plays for this you know made-up Italian team, he will not win the NBA championship. Right. That is the thing that puts a feather in his cap. The craziest part about this golf thing is you can go play in all these live tours. Right, you can win the And British you can Open, still go win the British Open. The Masters. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think that... I mean, we might be marching towards it this week. There might be a guy that's been playing on the live tour true. for the last two months that wins the British Open, and then, oh my gosh, oh, yeah. it's going to be explosive. That point about LeBron, though, you know, I think the to the extent... Winning an NBA championship is a feather in the cap. Mm-hmm. That presupposes the value of the NBA as a construct, right? If the value of the NBA as an entity goes down, which I argue it has, I think LeBron w- winning a championship on another team in another league has a value that it that it hasn't had currently. So I, I yep. think that tie, yeah, I agree with you. It's unlike, yep. you know, he can still cement a legacy as the greatest ever in the NBA. But I think how much of a lock that decision is, is less so than it was 10 years ago. No, I was now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. That's the other thing is sometimes I feel like we become, not me, you and I, but like as an American people, we become so American-centric sometimes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, like people always scoff at me when I'm talking about how like the phenomenon of the craziness around college sports is a uniquely American thing, but it is. There's not crazy people just getting drunk before <laughs> like college sporting events anywhere else in the world. There may be at club events for sure. But the other thing is, though, is we have an example of this exact uh, talent redistribution or, or talent leaving brand name places right in front of us. I mean, Lionel Messi is one of the great athletes mm-hmm. yep. on the on the earth of his generation. Sure. Period. He played for one of, if not the most brand name soccer clubs in the world in mm-hmm. Barcelona for almost twenty years. Yeah. And now he plays for Paris Saint-Germain. And I remember when he first signed that contract, I was like, what is happening? What is this thing that he signed? I had never heard of this. Nothing. <laughs> but this is this is exactly that exact parallel, right? Yeah. If LeBron James was to go play for the new Calgary Heat or whatever, you know, th- that's exactly what Lionel Messi already did. We have an example of this as well. And the more times it happens, the more times it gets normalized, right? right. The more times... the I mean, there's not going to be many more Tom Brady's or LeBron James, but the more times somebody of that stature switches uniforms, sure, 
and su- achieve success. I mean, Joe Montana going to the Chief was kind of lame. Like, everybody sort of right. thought it was lame. Willie Mays playing right. for the Mets is like the one that the, the grandfathers always talk about. Yeah, right? it just didn't feel right. Michael Jordan going to the Wizards because sure. nothing happened at those teams. Sure. But Tom Brady goes to the Bucs, wins a championship right. right away. LeBron goes to the Lakers, wins a championship right away. Sure. So, yes, I think that the, that normalizes this player-centric movement that we're seeing. The... Sorry, dude. <laughs> oh, you're good. We the, it's uh, we have till tomorrow to edit it, so it's all good. Oh, good. Sorry, Andrew. Wait, <laughs> Sorry, doing? Andrew. Oh man, it's worse when you like suppress it for a while. Okay, back in. So I guess to bring this back around to the college football discussion. A business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. Justin Angle joining us, uh, coming to you from University of Montana campus. Justin is a professor of business here at UM. What does this all mean for the college football that's associated with this university that we are sitting on the campus of? Yeah, yeah. Is this good or bad? I've been struggling with this so much because a part of me wants to say greed, if it's all about... Nothing good can come from anything that's solely motivated by money. Mm. I think there has to be a, some other form of motivation. Prestige, winning, championships, sure. enhancing the culture of your whatever, league, community. Well, a lot of those things correlate with money, right? Totally. And and they can be directly correlated. It, I, I, just, I just... so So here's the cynical part of me says that there's going to be... Like, I was thinking about this this morning. Think about the unbelievable football tradition that exists at Wisconsin. Yeah. Or the unbelievable football tradition that exists at Iowa. Mm-hmm. Those are two of the great fan bases in the country. So much of it is they have a similar dynamic as Montana, where they're rural states in which this is the biggest show in town. Their show is just bigger because of some of the population stuff. Sure. There's so many in-state guys that play for them, and they haven't recruited on a national level, and they get the Wisconsin farm boys to come be the big offensive linemen. And mm-hmm. like we talk about, they're on brand. Like Wisconsin, oh, yeah. you think Wisconsin's going to run the football with their big dairy farmer cow, you know, cow guys. They do. That's exactly what they do. So then I think to myself, if Wisconsin is going to join this Super 2, which they inevitably are, it's almost certain that they'll never even come close to competing for a national yeah, championship never, again. Never. So then, therefore, they're only doing it for money. They've always been making money. Camp Randall's one of the greatest places to go watch a college football game in the country. It's 100,000 people. that are. It's like a Grizz game times five. It's yeah. unbelievable. Everybody's partying. It's so fun. Madison's great. Okay. But then if all of the if they're, if they're just stuck in neutral, then what's the point? And that's where the cynical part of me comes into this. But then, on the other hand, I really think to myself... How close has Iowa or Wisconsin been to win a national championship at any point during my lifetime? Not very. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think what (laughs) what you're kind of poking at there is that trend of consolidation Mm -hmm. and disaggregation. Right. Right? Because what we'll see is, like, if we go to a Super 2, it'll be Texas versus Alabama every year in the national championship. Sure, right? right, right. And teams will get sick of that. Like, there'll be a share of the money to spread to trickle down. 
But there'll be a stage at which that money doesn't make as much sense, and it'll make more sense to be right. in a less prestigious league, but you can compete to win. And right. So maybe that's where the EPL mar- uh, model comes in, yeah, right? Maybe maybe you are competing. to Maybe that's the competition. If it comes down to, and this would sort of be unfortunate, but it would be better than just playing for money. If it comes down to that you have to perform to stay in the league, and that's the motivations for the Wisconsins of the world, that's better to me than just being a part of making Alabama and Texas A&M richer. Yeah, I mean the relegation concept yes. that, that we that you mentioned the Premier League like yes. that doesn't exist so much in college football. It certainly could. Yeah. With I can't ever remember these acronyms FCS and FBS, yeah, right? Yeah. If you're a really crappy FBS team and you get knocked down to the FCS, I mean that could have some consequence and we, we've talked on this program about you know, whether or not um, Montana or Montana State should try to go into the FBS, and it, it hasn't made much sense for them. Sure. And I think that's that's another one of those forces that at scale could could sort of press against the aggregation that we've seen. Think of the FCS model as it is now, though. Think about if we had this relegation dynamic, and think about if, if North Dakota State really was trying to play their way into Kansas State's yeah. spot right. in that top league. They could play their way in not be... Right now, they can't get into a conference that's not the conference that they're in because the Big Ten doesn't care about the Fargo, North Dakota media right. market. They, they want not. Los Angeles, not Fargo. <laughs> but if it, there was some sort of uh, meritocracy, uh, so to speak, that like you could actually prove based on merit and passion of your fan base that you deserve to be up, uh, that's a good thing. I just always... Like right now, if you think about Nebraska and Oregon and Washington and some of these traditional Western-ish powers, they make a ton of money on football. They also make half the amount of money on football that Alabama and Texas A&M make. All this is going to do is make sure that Alabama and Texas A&M still make twice as much money as Oregon and Washington. It's just more money. Yeah, everybody. Twice as much is just more. Right, right, right. So how does anybody ever close the gap? I'm not sure. I just I don't want to stratify... the college sports, but then maybe that's just what it always is. I mean, Major League Baseball is a great example of this. It's the only pro sport without a salary cap. Mm -hmm. The team that spends the most money doesn't always win the World Series, and in fact, it doesn't happen a lot. And less and less so. I mean, the Atlanta Braves last year won the World Series, and they had like one-third of the payroll of the Dodgers. They beat the Dodgers in the playoffs. And I think, But I think we've seen that trend uh, strengthen in the last 15 years. Uh, You know, the the Royals and the Braves and like these smaller market teams that you mentioned are, are... are, are winning more and more, more often than the Dodgers and the Yankees. I, I do think, though, this is all all of my cynical thoughts and and uh, you know thinking that the rich are e- the the rich are eating the poor, so to speak. I actually do think that this could uh, benefit the Montana schools if they find a landing spot. Moving up to the FBS in its current iteration, I thought was a probably a poor idea. Yeah. Now, though, the 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 iteration of what exists in football in the West could be completely redistributed. Yeah. Regardless if it's a Super 2 or a Big 3 or whatever, the Pac-12 as we know it is dead. They lost the LA TV market. Mm -hmm. Now, Utah and Colorado are not going to be left out to dry. They're going to at the very least join the Big 12, if not try to figure out how to get into the Super 2. Oregon and Washington have already said they're out. They're probably going to try to go the way of of USC and UCLA to the Big 10. So there's there's a full six of your schools in the Pac-12 out. Yep. 
I see where you're going. It's opening up. It's, it's know, opening Montana, up. Montana State have been not solely, but primarily their revenue is generated by filling the stadium. Right. right? And so now this gives them more of a regional share of attention, right? They can exactly with streaming and et cetera. You can broadcast your brand to more eyeballs and brains in the region because they're still going to be regional players. Exactly. The two schools in the Pac-12 are going to be left out to dry are Washington State and Oregon State. Yeah. That yeah. seems pretty fun, though, if Montana and Montana State and, like, Utah State and... I mean, yeah. the state schools in the West that are real great institutions, mm -hmm. they should just find a way to align, right? Because Stanford and Cal are the other two that are going to be so interesting. I don't think that they're going to try to join up with anybody, though, because they're not going to want to just jump in with you know some of the best of the big sky and some of the remainings yeah, of the yeah, Pac-12, they're, they're trying to. They're, those schools are premier brands. But Stanford don't should just play independent, right? Yeah. Or but Stanford also might be a draw to this Super Two or a Big Three or whatever we want to call it, depending on if there's other sports available as well, because right, they right. offer so many sports. I don't know. There's a lot here for sure. I think we're going to continue to hash this out, but I do think there is some positives for the Montana schools on the horizon. I agree. I, 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 so if I had to choose right now, I, I, I'd, I'd make that argument. I mean, from a business perspective, this is an opportunity to add more revenue, and that's going to be the biggest challenge oh, for yeah. Montana and Montana State from mm -hmm. an athletic department standpoint. Yeah, I mean, there's consolidation happening that does not include Montana and Montana State, right? So mm -hmm. that creates opportunity for sure. Nuwana is now ESPN Radio, a business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. We do this every other Tuesday here on Nuana is now Justin Angle, professor of business at the University of Montana, joining us here recording at Studio 49. Thanks for being here, man. This is fun. Yeah, thank you. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. When it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice, and that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, we handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days, and that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultilaw.com. If Tom Petty doesn't make you happy when it's 97 degrees in the shade, I don't know what will. You want us now, ESPN Radio? Thanks so much for tuning in or maybe watching on SWX Montana Television. No matter how you're here, happy to be here with you on this smoking hot Tuesday. Time now for the continuation of one of our favorite segments of the year. And this is an expanded version because we have had so many outstanding. Boys and girls athletes from across the prep landscape in the state of Montana. It's our senior spotlight, highlighting some of the best male and female athletes from across the state of Montana. And it's been a particularly good year at Helena High. 
We are now joined by Kylie Hartnett, who just recently graduated from Helena High. She's on her way to the University of Utah to run track and field there, as well as cross country for the Utes. Kylie, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Good. How about you? Great. Thank you so much for being here. I know last time I was texting you, uh, you were on campus at Utah actually doing your orientation. So uh, welcome back this way. I'm sure you're probably on your way back down there momentarily. But uh, tell us about uh, that experience. I mean, what was it like being on campus for the first time? And, and what do you think of this opportunity now to, to enter college? It was really fun and exciting to see kind of people on the campus and what life will actually be like on the campus. And we got to set up classes and meet people for next year that we might be able to bump into for two for classes. That was fun. Well, very cool. Uh, we'll get back around to uh, your upcoming adventure down there in Salt Lake City. Well, let's talk about your high school career. This last spring, an amazing year for Helena High, especially in girls track and field. Uh, we've been joined by Odessa Zents already during this uh, Senior Spotlight segment, which is, by the way, presented by McElmurray Holmes of Missoula. And Helena High won the Class AA State Championship in resounding fashion, tied the all-time record for points by a team, and uh, a long time coming, more than two decades, uh, building this thing up. But I know you, Odessa, a couple of the other outstanding girls, you guys have been standouts since you were freshmen and sophomores. So what did it take? I mean, what all went into you guys winning this, this team championship at Helena High this last spring? Um, we all kind of made a goal that we knew that we had enough talent to win state if we really worked for it. So throughout the season, we had a lot of girls push themselves and try new events to help score more points. Like I picked up running the 800 to help score more points. And we just all trained through the winter with one goal to try to win state, which I think really helped motivate us even when it was cold outside and we didn't want to run. We knew that we needed to or we weren't going to reach our goal and for Odessa and I it was our last chance to be able to win as a team for Helena High so we really worked hard throughout the season to help reach that goal. Well track and, and is running in general it, it seems like you can have even more success if you have teammates or, or even opponents that can push you and, and you had both this year with Odessa who's also division one bound going to Northern Arizona but also just such great distance runners in the state. I mean, Kenzie May was an outstanding runner as well. I mean, Haley Burns at Bozeman as well. So how much do those two factors help? When you have somebody that you can train with all the time, how much does that drive you forward? And also how much does just the great competition, especially in the distance races around the state of Montana, help you as well? They are definitely helpful in practices. Odessa and I would always push each other to run faster or make sure that we were running on pace. And when we were doing more mile type workouts she would follow me and I would help pace her to a faster pace and then 800 I'd always follow her and she would push me and then it was nice having Kinsey and Haley because you always had someone to push you when you don't really have competition you can win without pushing yourself which doesn't ever make you better but with like Kinsey at divisionals we both decided that we wanted to break five together so we made a plan beforehand, and we kind of talked about how we wanted to race this race together, and it post- pushed both of us to a sub-five mile, which was really cool. Kelly Hartnett joining us here on Nuana is now part of our senior spotlight. She's a recent graduate of Helena High, one of the great distance runners in the state of Montana over the last several years, the Montana Gatorade Runner of the Year in cross-country as a sophomore and a multiple-time state champion and state medalist throughout her cross-country and track and field careers. You mentioned that divisional race. That was so fun to follow and so fun to watch. 
But when you come across the finish line and both you and Kenzie may both break five minutes, I mean, what's that feel like? You, your lungs must just be on fire. It was it was hard, but at the same time, it was easy because running alone that fast is really hard. And there was a couple races this year where we didn't have the biggest competition, not for my events. So I would try to break five alone. And even running like normal times felt harder and more like mentally hard, but running sub five with Kinsey was physically hard, but it was also mentally easier because I wasn't alone. And like when you get tired, you think, oh, don't like let yourself fall off of Kinsey and you can kind of push each other. And I was right behind her. So if she slowed down, then I would have passed her. So she kind of got pushed by me too. And it was really nice to have her there. A lot of times, uh, when talking about the state meet, when you're after the team title, a lot of times it, it's back and forth, and, and they're rescoring the meet all the time, and, and you know it's going to come down to some events, but you guys kind of just blew the competition out of the water. Was there a moment that stuck out to you or when it, when it kind of sunk in where you were like, wow, we're, we're rolling through this thing, and uh, we are going to be the team champions? I mean, is there a moment you kind of realized that all the hard work was about to pay off? Um, well, the second day I ran three events, so right. I wasn't paying attention before. <laughs> right. I didn't know it until after my two mile, I asked Jesse, like, how close is it? Cause I was getting really nervous. My legs were pretty tired after the two mile. And I was like, I don't want it to come down to me if I need to give my spot to an alternate. So I don't slow them down just in case. And he said, no, it's a win no matter what we get on the relay. And that really sunk in and helped my nerves before the relay that it wasn't all on me. Well, that must have been a cool moment, too, to share. Uh, I mean, your guys' relay team took third in the mile relay, but it, it was sort of like the four primary contributors. I know it took a, a whole team effort, but the, the primary point scorers were yourself and Odessa Zenz and then the, the Todorovic sisters, who Logan and Madeline have both had outstanding meets as well. So uh, that must have been very cool to sort of get to one run one last race and, and uh, put put the, uh, the cap on it with, you know, Odessa, who you kind of helped build it with, but also a couple of the other rising stars at Helena High. It was definitely a cool race. And it was kind of cool because we had all done so much and this was our last event together. So we kind of just like took it in while we were waiting for our relay to race. They had all the other relays first. We were the last ones to race. So we kind of just talked about it, talked about how far we came like throughout the meet and how we just need to push together through one last lap, which was kind of cool. Well, a lot to be proud of. You guys had an outstanding uh, high school run, and uh, so cool for you guys to to cap it with that team state championship. Kylie Hartnett from Helena High graduate uh, joining us here on Nuana is now headed to the University of Utah. Last thing for you then, Kylie, before we get you out of here, what do you like about the opportunity at Utah? And very cool for you to get an opportunity to run in the Pac-12. So what's kind of between now and then getting ready for uh, when you go to run your first cross-country season? And what do you think of just this level of competition you're entering into when you first arrive in Salt Lake City this fall? Um, well, so far throughout the summer, I've been training. I only took one week off the of track before I started training for Utah, so... I didn't get much of a break, but that's okay. I just went straight into it, and I knew that it was going to be something like that that I had to just commit to. Even if I wanted more of a break, I needed to commit because I, I made the commitment to go to a Pac-12 school, so I needed to stay with my commitment and work hard for that. And I also knew that the competition is really intense, even just on the team we're really fast, so I needed to prepare for that. 
But I'm really excited because there's a lot of girls that can help push me. And some competition is really helpful. And even if you don't win every race, every race has a learning moment or a moment where you can push yourself and get better, even if it's just mentally or if you break a time barrier. So I'm pretty excited to have some really fast competition. Well, it will certainly push you forward. Congratulations on such an outstanding high school career. It's very fun following you from afar, and I know you're going to go make Montana proud down there uh, in the Pac-12 learner for the youths of Utah, Kylie Hartnett, recent graduate of Helena High here on our Senior Spotlight. Thanks for joining us today, Kylie, and best of luck in the near future, and maybe we'll talk to you someday soon. But in the meantime, have a great rest of your summer. Thanks for being here with us today. Thank you. You too. Nuwana's Now ESPN Radio. What's up for the last day of the week? The main man's coming by. We'll set you up. Keep it right here. ESPN Radio. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. For so long, I always thought that football was Montana's best export in terms of the athletic world. You know, guys going from the college ranks of Montana to, to the NFL. But I'm starting to wonder if, if maybe distance running or, or just any sort of middle distance to distance running is our best uh, export. At least for this moment in time, I'd say this last like athletic year, the 2021-2022 year, it certainly has been one of, if not the best. There's a lot of great runners whether it's ultra marathoners, ultra runner, uh, uh, you know, hundred miler type people like Adam Peterman from here in Missoula, or you know, some of the great marathon runners uh, that participated in the Missoula Marathon re- in recent weeks, or some of the great collegiate track stars, or some of the great high school runners. But it, it's certainly become a very worthy and uh, much talked about subject uh, on this show, and that was a big part of this show. Today here on Nuanas Now. If you missed anything from today's episode, you can always find it. Nuanas Now podcast. We talked some Big Sky football. We did our Treasure State Stars. We had our River City Runners talking about the Montana Mile and the field that it is. And we also heard from Kylie Hartnett, former Montana Gatorade Runner of the Year in cross country, headed to Utah to compete in the Pac-12. And then, of course, we had a business angle with Justin Angle, presented by Blackfoot Communications. We'll be back at tomorrow. Rajim Seabrook talking all the way around the NFL, plus Matt Brown for our ESPN Roundtable. Have yourself a wonderful Tuesday evening. We'll see you tomorrow, 4 p.m. This has been Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now. If you visit msubookstore.org, free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.